0: Oh, we are going to continue in our series uh, on First John. Uh, we're in First John chapter four, right? Yeah, good. Um, and uh, but before I do that, just real quick, uh, just so you know what's going on. Um, t- today is Kendra's birthday, and I think she's back there somewhere. Did she just? Okay, whatever. I can't. She's back there with Naomi. Okay. Uh, today is Kendra's birthday, and. I don't know about you, but Kendra's been here for nine, nine years as part you know, the church is not quite nine years old. So, I mean, so she's been here. It'll be nine years soon. And, um, I mean, she's been right as part of this community, as a pillar in this community, and has just been an amazing person. Uh, And in the process, she met and married Alan we like too so that's good you know uh, we like having them around too but uh, I just want to kind of publicly say that today is her birthday and we really do celebrate her and all that she means to this community and uh, so today before you leave uh, make sure and wish her happy birthday uh, give her a big hug because she's such a hugger um, and and uh, just just let her know that we really do appreciate her and uh, so I just wanted to say that uh, before we get started because she's pretty amazing and and, and worthwhile so Happy birthday to Kendra. I'm not going to lead singing. Don't worry, we can do that later uh, if you want. Um, so, we are in the middle of this series uh, about. Uh, about love about walking in love about what it means how to do it uh, why we do it what is love why do we even try to think about love and in a world that quite honestly is filled with angst with conflict with problems with hate how do we as followers of Jesus try to walk a life that is filled with love because it's not easy it's countercultural to walk in love right I mean is, are the people who who walk in love are they the norm or are they the exception? they're the exception, right? I mean, if you see someone who's really nice, who really cares for people, you take note because it's unusual to see that kind of person. And yet John is talking to this church and he's telling them, saying, listen, that should be the norm in the church. And so today I want to move into something where, because John uh, uh, starts talking about, so how do you, how do you discern? What does it mean to walk in love while also discerning what is true and what is right and what is good? Um, I don't know about you, but I absolutely hate talk radio, especially political talk radio. And I say that because, generally speaking whichever station you're listening to or whichever person you're listening to, you know, you're hearing their opinions, you're hearing and they are extremely, you know, ardent in what they're saying and, and they get really, you know, excited and, and they're telling you that this is the truth and this is the only way to see it. And if you don't, you're probably gonna you're probably a communist or something like that, right? I mean it just seems so one-sided every time you hear it, but then you turn the station, you know, two two clicks down and you hear the exact opposite message. But that's the truth, and that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, just this last week, I heard something about, um, you know, Obama was claiming, President Obama was claiming to have added more jobs, and he quotes some statistics that say he added more jobs. But then I see that the conservative pundits uh, pull up this same statistic and turn it so that it looks like he actually killed more jobs. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what to believe here, because I am not smart enough, nor do I have enough education to understand economics and how this works. And so I'm I'm hearing two opposite sides say that they're right, and they're the truth, and I don't know what to do with it. Now, when it comes to politics and stuff like that, I don't care that much. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I, I want us to vote, and I want to be part of the process, but I'm not here to tell you what to think when it comes to politics. Uh, Instead, what I want to do is to teach you, and, and take what John is saying here, and teach you how to think, how to discern. If there was a nice little phrase that I want you to remember for today, it's very simply learn to discern. That's what I want you to do. I'm not going to tell you what to think or what to believe or what to do. I want to teach you. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to think for yourself. Because just because I say it, that doesn't mean you have to do it or have to follow it, or unless you're my kids, if they're in the room, that's a different story. Um, But you know, I'm not going to stand here and pretend to say that when the church faces issues of what's right, what's good, what's best, we as a community need to learn to discern what's going on. And that's really what, what John is saying. He's saying you as a church need to balance that walking in love with learning to discern and seeing how those two come together as opposed to being extreme opposites uh, of the same teaching. Well, let me just read uh, 1 John uh, chapter 4, and uh, it'll be on the screen, so if you don't have a Bible with you, then you can, uh, you can follow along up there. Uh, but if you want to read along in your, in your Bible, that's fine as well. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it goes like this. 1 John 4, starting in verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit, you must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. Let me just stop right there real quick and, and show you. He's saying right away, test the spirits. And when he says test the spirits, he's basically saying test what they're saying. Like if a teacher comes and, and teaches you something, don't just blindly accept it. Test it. Check it. You know, I mean, you don't need to just blindly say, oh yeah, okay, Jason said it, therefore, okay, what if I'm wrong? (laughs) You know, what if I made a mistake? What if you didn't understand exactly what I said? What if I said it wrong? There's so many things that you need to think through that he's saying, listen, I want you to test the spirits. And of course, we do remember that, you know, John is writing to a group of people and, and, and there's a specific issue going on right? There's a group of people from within the church. Okay, this, this isn't, you know, the world coming in and trying, no, no, this is a group of people in the church who are presenting stuff that is not the same as what John had been teaching. And he's saying, you need to learn how to discern which is right. You, you need to make decisions. You've got to think for yourself. And I mean, it's hard, isn't it? To know what's right, what's best. I don't have a crystal ball that can, you know, foretell everything that's going to happen over the next week, year, whatever. There is a point at which we have to make a decision and roll with it. We, we have to see something and 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 decide: is this right or is this wrong? And, and so it's not easy because it's not always nice, clear-cut, right, wrong. Sometimes there are layers and there are shades of gray that make it so difficult to understand. And John is saying you've got to learn how to do that. Don't run away from discernment. Don't run away from having to make these decisions. Engage it. Test the spirits. And so he continues. Uh, Verse 2. This is the way to find out if they have the Spirit of God. If a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ became a human being, that person has the Spirit of God. If a prophet does not acknowledge Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is going to come into the world, and he is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won your fight with the false prophets, because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. These people belong to the world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them but we belong to God. That's why those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they don't listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. This learning to discern is not a a, a new thing. It's not John all of a sudden in the middle of the early church saying, oh, by the way, you got to learn this. I mean, Jesus taught the same thing. In, In Matthew 7, He's teaching the the Sermon on the Mount, right, where he goes through, he does the Beatitudes, and he he teaches all these amazing things about how we can live, how we should not just try to obey the letter of the law, but how we need to understand it's about our heart, it's about love, it's about moving forward in in our life in a way that blesses those around us and and so forth. But in the midst of that, he he says this in Matthew 7, uh, starting verse 15, he says, "'Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves.'" You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but diseased trees bears bad fruit. A healthy tree can't bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them, the false prophets, by their fruits. This is where we get the saying, right? I'm not supposed to judge, but I can be a fruit inspector. You heard that before, okay? I mean, there is a sense in which before you blindly accept whatever a teacher is telling you, whatever a spiritual leader is telling you, what, whatever anyone is telling you, look at the fruits. Is what they're doing moving to a life of love, to a life that blesses those around them, to, to a life that changes others in a good way, or is the fruit of their teaching destructive? Does it only build them up and, and you know, pad their bank account or does it actually bless other people? Jesus says, look at the fruit. If their fruit isn't good, then guess what? They're not teaching good things. And then uh, again in Acts, uh, Chapter 17, the early church is, is developing and, and, and they're talking about this group in Berea. And it says this about them. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message, the gospel, the teachings about Jesus, with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every, today, every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's my prayer for Terranova. That you, that we would examine what is taught through the scriptures. Not based on if it feels good or if it, you know, leads to some this, that, or that. No, no, it's from the scriptures. This is match up with what God's word says. And that means you, <laughs> you got to learn how to open this book more than Sunday morning and actually learn. Be familiar with what's going on in here. One of our core values, just so you know this, maybe you do, maybe you don't, our our first, our second core value is rooted. And and by that I mean we will be rooted in the teachings of Jesus and that will set the parameters of of where we go and what we do and how we pursue life and and faith. And and so I'm telling you right now that part of the way that we are rooted is I'm challenging you to test what is taught. And it's okay. Uh, I'm... Developing our, our teaching team, and 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 we're trying to get people on this team that that maybe don't always agree on every single little piece of theology. You know, God forbid that we might actually have to discuss something and and open up Scripture and talk about it together. That would be, ama- I mean, that's really what John is saying: is be willing to do that. But to be willing to do that, you got to first what know what Scripture say. Right? If, if you don't know what it says, then it's kind of hard to use that as the lens. And that's why at the uh, end of August, we're going to do the second installment of our, we're calling it Spiritual Growth Seminar, because we couldn't come up with a more creative name, right, Steve? Uh, and, and it's basically teaching the, the basics of the faith. And, and it's just the, the basics uh, in, in doctrine, the basics, and it'll be part two. If you miss part one, don't worry about it. We'll teach it again soon, so just jump in at part two, um, and, and, and you'll just learn more of the basic doctrines of Christianity so that you know what they are. Because if you don't know what they are, you sure can't use them to discern what's good and bad and right and wrong. And so that's coming up. Uh, you'll see more info later, but I just want to let you know that's coming. And, and so that's what I want you to see is that our job is to study God's Word so that we can discern what is right. Now, I do want to put a caveat here, okay? I, I do believe that all truth is God's truth. Okay, the Bible contains God's truth, but it doesn't contain all truth. Okay, there's truth out there that's that's not in here. Photosynthesis, right? I mean, Dr. Wolverton, you've, that's right, you, you know all about photosynthesis. Did you learn about it from studying scripture? No, you learned about it from looking at cells and plants and really exciting, riveting stuff like that, you know, but but it's a truth, right? I mean, it's, it's not, but the Bible didn't have a section on photosynthesis 101, right? There's truth out there that isn't necessarily in scripture, but you need to understand what is in scripture is truth. Do you see that little nuance of difference? And so I want you to hear, first of all, that I, I am with all my heart devoted to scripture and, and to teaching it and, and to seeing it, but I also understand there's some really, really, really good stuff out there it just started, it's not in Scripture, but it's still true, but it doesn't go against what Scripture teaches. Scripture just doesn't address it. And, and so I want you to hear that because I want you to know all truth is God's truth. And so if you run across something and it's not addressed in Scripture, but it's still meeting qualifications in your mind of what truth is, that's okay. okay? You, you don't have to deny that the earth revolves around the sun, <laughs> just because the Bible doesn't specifically say the earth revolves around the sun. We know that that's how it works. And that was a huge issue. As a matter of fact, Galileo was declared a heretic because he said the earth revolves around the sun. Well, now we think that's silly. Of course we know it does. So I I just want you to hear that as we dive into this. All truth is God's truth. And it doesn't have to be in the Bible to be true. But if it's in the Bible, it is true. Okay? Get that new one? Okay. I'm going to beat a dead horse here if we don't move on. <laughs> um, so what I see here in, in 1 John chapter 4, he gives two what I call spiritual litmus tests. Okay? These are two basic tests that we can use when you are faced with a new teaching or with a new idea, a new concept that you're going, okay, wait a minute. I need to realize, is this, is this really from God? Or is this something because the teacher had bad pizza the night before? Or something like, is this good? And the first test that he gives is what does the teacher say about Jesus? I mean, it's really simple. What does the teacher say about Jesus? Does the teacher acknowledge that Jesus was God becoming a man and, and living his life, dying on the cross, resurrecting? Or does the teacher say things about Jesus that aren't true? Or maybe he didn't say anything about Jesus. Okay, it, this has got to be a starting point. If, if the teacher is saying things about Jesus that are wrong, then, then we need to stop and say, wait, 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 before you go any further, <laughs> okay, I, I, I need to get this one settled because anything you say after this, I really can't use my lens to understand if it's right or not. And, and so whenever a person comes and they're talking about things of faith, they're talking about God, but their understanding of Jesus is off, you, you need to question that. I'm not talking about, you know, if a science teacher doesn't believe in Jesus but teaches photosynthesis, you have to say, well, I'm sorry, I can't listen to you because you don't believe in Jesus, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when they come and they're talking about faith, about your walk with Christ, about what it means to engage God, but they don't start with Jesus, then you need to step back and say, okay, I got to think this one through because there, there's layers here that they're missing that I'm afraid their leaps may go places I don't want to go. Now, how do you know about Jesus. You gotta read scripture, okay? You, you got you gotta know what the Bible says, and, and that means actually opening it and reading it. Um, I mean, I'm I'm gonna try for 30 minutes every week to give you some instruction and to try to open up God's Word, but that's not enough. You, you got to engage this. Now, the other side of this, I do want you to hear: Jesus is not just a doctrine that you need to believe correctly about, an orthodoxy, right? A right belief about something. Jesus is a being that wants a relationship with you. Okay, it's, it's, it's not just, I need you to be able to, you know, check off the right beliefs. This is about Jesus who says, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to walk with you. I want to be with you. I, I want to guide you. I want to lead you. I, I, want, to, I want to love you. I want to tell you how amazing you are, how full of love I am for you, how, how beautiful you are. And so it's not just about, oh, I've got to have all the right answers. No, no, no. It's I mean, when we, when we stand before God after we die, he's not going to hand us a theology quiz, okay? He's going to ask, what did you do with Jesus? That's what he's going to be talking about. And so, you know, I don't want you to get so hung up on, oh, I want to make sure they meet all my little checklist of beliefs, because if they don't, I just am going to ignore them or kick them out of the church or whatever. No, no, no. I want you to hear, what do they do with Jesus? Because Jesus is about a relationship. But if they don't start with a proper understanding of who Jesus is, then they're not going to go places you want to go with your faith and with your walk with God. Second thing that I see, John. Second litmus test that I see, John, uh, giving us here is what is the foundation of their teaching. Um, it, it's it's often hard to discern things around us, especially when they're within the culture in which we live. Because we are so caught up in it, I mean, we live in it, we, we walk in it like a fish moves in water, we walk in our culture, sometimes we can't see it for what it is. So Sometimes we don't get a chance to step back and really say, wait, 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 is this basic belief that I've had all my life tied to my culture, tied to my upbringing, tied to, you know, just the way I see things, or is it actually tied to what God's Word says about something? Because I don't know how many times in, in my life I've started to see, wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> you mean Catholics are Christians too? Baptists are Christians too? Because I grew up in a church that said, oh, if you don't believe like us, you're, well, you're, you're probably not going to heaven. Whoa, 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 whoa. That, that was who I was growing up. And, and it took me a while to step back and go, wait a minute. There are people out there who don't go to my church, but they still love Jesus that can happen? I, because my culture, the, the, the family or the ethos that I grew up in, that was, oh, they didn't know what to do with that. And sometimes we have to step back and realize, wait a minute, the world's a lot bigger than me. And I need to step back and understand things and see that I can get caught up in my own culture and my own mindset and not really be testing it by scripture and by what God is saying. And That's a hard thing to discern. Okay, that, That's not something you can just one day sit down and figure it all out. Sometimes that has to be done within the context of a community, of a few people who will come around you and, and put pressure on some of your premises right? And, and put pressure on your presuppositions and say, wait, wait, why do you think that? Do you think it because God's Word taught it or because your family has always thought that? So there's, there's a time of discerning where, where you say, okay, I need to understand the foundation of this teaching, but I need to understand my own foundation. Why am I questioning? Where am I coming from? You know, John says that, that these people, as they teach, you, know, you belong to God, so you're going to understand that this isn't right. There's something wrong with it. But, but you've got to be willing to hear that, to listen to that. And he says, if they're from God then people from God will listen to them and will hear them. But if they're from the world, in other words, if they're teaching things that are not within what God says is true, is right, is good, then, then the world's going to love it. Steve and I were talking this week, we came to the conclusion we could call this the unpopularity test. right? If, if the world embraces it and loves it and says, oh, this is great news about God and, and we think it's wonderful and they start proclaiming it, then we need to understand may, maybe we need to step back. Because the world doesn't come from a place of wanting God to be God. And so if they love what's being said, maybe we need to think about it. And so we have to begin to discern, okay, what does this mean? When I hear what this person is teaching, whether I hear it on a podcast or I open up the internet and I'm looking at some guy in some church and he's preaching something, how do I discern if that's right? If, if Jason starts talking about something. How do I know? Well, if, if everyone in the entire world says, oh, that's got to be true about God. I, I just, that just feels good. Maybe we better just at least check it. But he says, I want you to hear that the spirit of the world, he calls it the spirit of the anti-Christ. In other words, not necessarily, you know, book of Revelation, some big beast with all these arms and heads and all that imagery, but just something that is anti-against Christ that spirit is already in the world, and, and the believers there in, that John's dealing with and all the early church know that's for sure because they were suffering right? because of what they believed. They were suffering because they believed that Jesus was the Lord and that, that God really is God, and, and so Caesar, who wanted them to think he was God and he was the Lord, he cracked down on them. And he said, no, 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 I want to be. And so there was this conflict. And and he's saying, listen, when, when the spirit of the world comes in, that's the spirit of against Christ. You need to recognize it. But you can only do that if you know who Jesus is. If you start with understanding what scripture teaches, he says, I want you to know these things. So what does that mean for us today? Let me just bring this in with some thoughts on using these tests today. First of all, I want you to understand that there was an original context to what John is saying, and therefore there are some limitations. All right, These two tests are a great starting point, but they aren't the end all. Okay? This isn't where we're going to end ultimately. If we just say, well, what they say about Jesus and does the world accept it? Okay, I can check that off as right or wrong. Okay, the, the, we can't stop there. Because technically speaking, like you know, the Mormons would fo- would fit that criteria, and yet, you know, the church they says, "Well, that's not, thats not orthodox faith," because they say other things that are different. So, so we have to ask ourselves: Okay, wait a minute. John was writing to a specific church at a specific time in history regarding a specific problem. So, what principles can we pull from this? Right. He's talking about a group of people who were part of the church who said, hey, we've been having this amazing spiritual experience, so therefore we're saying that the only thing that matters is that you have these really cool spiritual experiences, and as long as you're having those, it really doesn't matter what you do the rest of your life. And Jesus really, he didn't come in the flesh, that, that doesn't matter, it only matters that you're having these really cool spiritual things happen. And as long as you have that, you're good, don't need to worry about it. And if you're not having it, then you need to come to us because we're we've got some secret knowledge that you can have that may help you. And John's saying, no, 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 <laughs> that's not how it works. Because Jesus did come in the flesh. Jesus did. He said, I was there. I walked with him. We had our three-year camping trip together. I was with him. I was there in the upper room when, when, when Thomas said, I don't believe that you're really Jesus because I want to see the, the holes in your hand and your feet. And, and Jesus says, cool, do it. go for it. Look it, here it is. I was there. I watched him eat, okay? Ghosts, spiritually, they don't eat. He says, well, I know this is real. And so you, you need to understand that. And so that's the specific issue that was happening at that church at that time in history. So we have to understand that there is a limitation to that. Like just asking, what do they say about Jesus and does the world accept? Well, that, that, that's a good starting point, but I mean, think about it as, okay, just yesterday we, we were talking about this, uh, my, my wife and I, because, okay, as a parent, we are asking questions about raising our kids that my parents didn't even dream of being a question, right? I mean, we've got a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. I got to think about social media and smartphones and, and the internet and texting and My parents didn't even know those things. My mom still didn't know how to use it. (laughs) Okay? So there's no way they were asking questions about how do you raise up a kid that's going to understand who God is and pursue a a walk with him in the context of social media and all this stuff. I can't ask my mom about that stuff because she didn't even know what that stuff was because it didn't exist when I was a kid. And in my family, even if it did, I probably wouldn't have had it because <laughs> we said, no, we don't need any of that. You can just play with some dirt and be happy. No, they weren't that bad. I'm kidding. Uh, but you know what? That, that's, we have to now, as Christians, as followers of Jesus in the church, in the 21st century, we have to start asking ourselves, you know what? There are issues that are at play now that we need to ask new questions about because a generation ago, they weren't facing these issues. And so we have to learn how to discern issues that are today developing sometimes new questions because the old questions aren't fitting the new problems. And that's hard. And it's scary. And and sometimes you've got to work through it And you've got to engage the process and do it within a group of people who are full of love for one another. And that's the key. That's why this is in the context of walking in love. If you aren't walking in love, then you won't be able to discern because you'll be too worried about being right. And when you're worried about being right, you can't love. And so we've got to understand that there's, there's, and this is kind of my second idea here, is not only are these, there are limitations to this, but also discernment is a process. We are all in a process of understanding who we are in Christ. Who I am now is different than who I was five years ago. Thank God. What I understand now, how I see things now is different than it was 10 years ago. Because I've grown. I've learned new things. I'm beginning to see God from different angles that I never would have before. And so that's a good thing. But we all are in process. And that means I am going to walk humbly in my convictions. And I'm going I'm to walk gracefully in my convictions. Because if I meet another person who is a follower of Jesus and has a different opinion than me, if I start by saying, well, you're wrong, Okay, well, there's no discussion left. Now it's a debate. Now it's, it's conflict. But if I walk into it saying, you know what, I'm going to walk in love and I'm at a different point in my process of discerning and understanding than you are, so let's walk together and see what happens. To me, that's the body of Christ at work. That's what's so beautiful about walking in love even when we don't agree with everything that another person says. And again... This is messy and hard and takes time and relationship. It's way easier to make a nice long list of what you believe and what you don't believe and exactly how everyone else needs to act so that you can then just put that nice little you know, uh, a lens up and judge everybody based on that and they're either in or they're out. But that's not at all what John is saying. That's not at all what it means to walk in love. To walk in love is to say, well, I, I've got my understanding. But I also understand that I'm not perfect. And I'm still in process of learning who God is and how he's using me. And so I'm going to walk humbly. And I'm going to walk full of grace. Willing to see the other person as a creature that God has created and God loves. And I will engage them from that perspective. And if we're ever going to discern things, it's got to start from there. And that's where even this last little thought is, is balance, right? If we're going to use these tests today, we've got to do it with a balanced approach, which means we've got to, to exercise discernment without becoming self-righteous pricks. It's really how it's got to be. Because I know way too many people who know everything they believe, and if you aren't exactly in line with them, then you are condemned and judged, and, and they could care less about you. I don't ever want to be like that. Now, I also don't want to be someone who's so open-minded that my brains fall out. Okay? I, I-, I want to learn to discern. I want to create, I-, I want to build a biblical lens through which I can understand the world around me. Rather than saying, this is the world around me, I'm going to understand Scripture through it, I want to develop a biblical worldview that then helps me understand what's coming into my life. But all of that has to be done in love so that I can walk in love while still discerning what is right and what is wrong and what is God's truth and what is not God's truth. And it is a difficult walk and it takes time and practice and you need a few people around you helping you along the way. Because if you try to do this one alone, you'll probably end up either a jerk or just going with whatever flow happens to come your way. And God says, I I want you to be smart. I gave you a brain. And I expect you to use it. And, And I want you to understand what Scripture says. And I want you to understand that there will be times that teachers will come and they will try to lead you in ways that are not the way that I'm asking you to live. You've got to learn to call that what it is. But you also have to learn that there are people who are just mistaken and need correction and need love. And then there are times you're wrong and you need to learn how to be corrected and how you need to learn how to walk in love and grace. We are called as a church to proclaim the truth of God. And that truth is that Christ died for us so that our sins could be wiped out. So everything that stood between us and God could be wiped away and we could be reconciled to a relationship with God. That's the truth that we have to proclaim at all times, whether we're in this building or outside of it. That's what we have to hold on to. We have to say, this is what we have been called to do. Because there is a world out there who doesn't know that truth. And that's horrible. Because that means something big. That means that we are going to struggle. And that means they are going to struggle. And that means we have a truth that we can offer them. And so the question is, will you join me in walking in truth while walking in love? I don't know if that helped or not. So the call to discernment is a call to walk in love. It's called to know who you are in Christ and to see who others are in Christ. It's to walk saying, God, I'm going to walk gently, but I'm going to trust your spirit to lead. And I'm going to give myself to Jesus and what he says about stuff, about what you say in your word. That's where I'm going to start. I'm not going to run around trying to tell everyone else how wrong they are. I'm going to run around saying, this is who Jesus is and this is what love is and I'm going to walk in it even in, midst, in the midst of conflict, of disagreements, I'm going to walk in love and let that lead me. But first you've got to know what he says. And so my challenge to you today is learn to discern. Learn what God's Word says so you can discern what's going on. And that starts by simply opening up God's Word, asking questions, listening. Listening. Let's pray together. God, thank you that um, you have challenged us not to be idle, to be, um, to be passive, to just go with the flow, to, to, to just do whatever. Instead, God, you challenged us to know what your word says, to follow what your word says, and, and to use your word to understand the world around us. And that is different from what everyone else says. So God, we, we know that we will have to work at that, and we're going to. And Father, I pray that you would watch over each of us as we do that, even this week. Give us wisdom. God, I pray that Nova would be a church filled with wisdom and discernment. So I love God. When when you promised Solomon, you said, anything you want, name it. And when he asked for wisdom and discernment to lead your people, you blessed him with everything. Because you said, if you love wisdom and if you love discernment, the rest will follow. May we be a church filled with love, walking in love, but exercising discernment in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here on this (laughs) not so sunny Sunday morning. I pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Now may you go in the peace that could only come from a God who loves you and walks with you. Amen. Have a great week.